Listener Production. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. Well, occasionally, the marketing and advertising sectors hit breakthrough moments. Remember Mark Ritson's lecture series and tirade on digital marketing's fool's gold about five years ago for the Australian Association of National Advertisers, which caused all manner of discomfort and an awakening for the sector. Well, what we're about to cover should be another of those. In March this year, two Australian-based strategic planners got tanked and angry in a Melbourne pub at how atrocious the quality of agency briefs coming from brands and marketers had become. The lament has been orbiting the global industry for decades, but when Peter Paul Von Wheeler and Matt Davies woke up the following morning, hangovers raging, they remembered they were going to do something about it, and they did. Last Friday, they presented a benchmark paper to the Institute of Practicing Advertisers, the IPA, in London quantifying globally just how bad the state of advertising briefs had become. Upwards of 1,700 marketers and agency staff from 70 countries piled into this study, and the findings are scary. Remember, these documents pretty much shape all the major work and advertising campaigns you see or ignore every day. 90% of marketers in this research project believe the brief is one of the most valuable but neglected tools they have to ensure they get good work. Sounds pretty reasonable. But what else did Peter, Paul and Matt uncover? Essentially, marketers and agencies are so far apart on what they think constitutes a sound strategic briefing document that it's a wonder anything works. Marketers and agencies, they argue, are on different planets. Peter, Paul and Matt don't want it to be sensationalist, but even these two admit the industry is in dire straits. 80% of marketers are convinced they do good brief, while only 10% of creative agencies think the same. 78% of marketers think they write briefs that give clear strategic direction, but just 5%, yes, 5% of creative agencies hold the same view. Even Mark Ritson is all over this one. So on the mics today, we have Peter Paul Von Wheeler, Chief Strategy Officer at AJF, and Matt Davies, who has worked for BBDO, Havas, a bunch of indies, and is now a hired gun to deliver the good, the bad, and the ugly on the strategic brief. And yes, they do have some solutions. So welcome to you both, gents. This is a fascinating conversation. Um, We touched on it in the intro, uh, but what's the problem here with the brief? It's a global issue. Uh, And do tell us about the near cathartic pub session. That was was the one I wish I was a fly on the wall. It sounded like it was a rage against the machine. Uh, Welcome to you both. And and, and what's the issue here? What's the problem? Well, thank you for having us. Um, We cannot disclose what went on that night, but we can talk about the topic that we the hunch that we basically had for a long time. I guess Matt and I have been in this, tree, in this industry for, for quite a long time as strategists and, and having worked in, in multiple uh, countries, the Netherlands, the UK and Australia, having worked in multiple categories and having spoken and interacted with many different planners, I think we had this, this hunch that there's something really wrong in our industry. And it was just a hunch, but after that night, the next morning we woke up and we started doing some research and, and we actually found an old piece of research done by the RPA in 2003. And it kind of started to, to prove to us that our hunch was, was right. So the study of the RPA, the Institute of Practitioners of Advertising in the UK, they, 
they dedicated the survey to this topic and the results of that topic were pretty shit. There was a story there of misunderstanding already happening 18 years ago. And Matt and I thought, is there more research? Has any, any other research been done on this important topic? And basically the answer there is no. So on the one side, you have the most important document that changes, exchanges hands between marketeers and agencies. And then on the other side, hardly any research being done. So that was for us, I think, uh, an opportunity to dive into and, and learn more because as strategists, we benefit from good briefs and as strategists, it is the core document we, we operate in and, and we, want, we just wanted to know more what was going on. But tell me, uh, both of you, you know, you, you've talked about how there's a lack of research and it's an important document. In the pub that night, what was getting your goat about what you were seeing, what you have seen coming through in, in briefs from, from, from marketers across the countries and companies you work for? What was the issue? What was the problem you were seeing at firsthand? Well, I'd, I'd give you one example, uh, Paul. Um, I just recently received a, a brief um, from an ASX-listed ASX company, um, and, and this marketer had gone to the effort of uh, opening up Microsoft Word uh, writing a sentence in Microsoft Word and then forwarding that, saving that document and then forwarding that document to me with one sentence in it. Uh, and that was the extent of the brief for um, a company that um, is worth multiple millions of dollars. Um, so for me, there was um, a frustration that had built that there was no time or effort being put into this, this documentation. Um, and it was up to us to then start to solve the problem without clear direction and guidance from the person who is, is responsible for setting the marketing strategy, which again, should fundamentally connect to their business strategy. Yes. You know, working with clients, we know, um, intrinsically what their business is about, but that doesn't mean that a brief, um, from a marketing department to an agency should be given such little respect. Firstly, how common is that and why is the brief so important? Um, you know, let, let's pretend that when we're, we're not all strategy planners and uh, let's, let's sort of un- unpack why that brief is so critical to delivering good, great work. It's like building a house. And if I say to a builder, go and build me a house and I don't give him a plan, what kind of house am I going to get? It's a pretty shitty house, I'd imagine. In the, in the world of commercial creativity that we live in, we get paid to come up with creative solutions to solve business problems. We need to understand what those business problems are and the marketing strategy that the marketeer has put in place to help drive the, com- the commercial result that his or her business needs. We want to understand that background. We want... We want, to understand, we want to have a, a, a type brief with clear objectives so we can do what we do best in the world of commercial creativity, which is come up with ideas. We want to leap off a tight brief, which is an old saying in the world of advertising. Give us a, a type brief and we can leap. Give us a broad brief and we'll feel lost. Um, don't, if you don't give us a brief at all, we don't know where to start. So how common is, is what Matt talked about just earlier with a, with a one-sentence brief, or it could even be, you know, 10 sentences, but there's nothing in it anyway. It could be just puff. How common is this issue and, and why have we got there? I guess our hunch going in um, was that it was common, um, it, not necessarily widespread. And, and we don't want this to be a, a marketing bashing exercise because it's absolutely not about that. It's actually about trying to find um, what, what, is, what is happening um, between 
marketers and creative agencies and where is it breaking down? So it's not necessarily that marketers are bad at writing briefs and creative agencies think that they're, they're great and they only get you know um, poor stuff. It, it's more about how do we um, find some common ground. Um, so that common ground, let's start there, that common ground is, is often hard to find. Um, so that's no, not a fault of a marketer or an agency. That is just people not, not communicating as effectively as they should. It's also worth noticing the difference in marketing briefs I have received in my career. I've received some really good ones, some intimidatingly good ones. And then there has been the example that the mentor's given, the ones that don't give any direction. Basically, for us as strategists, we, we don't ask for much. But basically, all we want to know is what's the commercial objective how did, what kind of behavior are you going to put in place to achieve that commercial objective? Is the click or store visit or a download? And then what needs to shift in people's brain, then we're talking about attitudinal objectives, to achieve that behavioral objective that's going to deliver the commercial objective? Like marketing is not hard. I believe we make it a little bit too hard. There's, there's so many shiny new tools left and right to play with. There's so many options we have available to us. But in the beginning and end, it's quite simple. Advertising increases sales and margin by making you feel better about the brand. We need to increase the chance that people buy us or we need to change their behavior. And we do that by making the brand easy to think of or giving them some, some compelling reason to change their behavior. And we do that by creating positive feelings and associations. Or in some cases, if you work for the government, you kind of need to create negative associations if it comes down to helping people quit smoking or something like that. And the crux of this, what you've uncovered, and we're going to get to the to the uh, the data and the, and the research findings, which are fascinating. The crux of this, though, is that what is required for you to do your job and to create good stuff is not being is not being sort of prosecuted or developed properly by client sides even though they think they're good at it is that essentially give me am i if i'm messing up your 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 key thesis here there's two sides there's the responsibility from the marketeers to ensure that there's a clear strategy in place and that the brief is clear to the agency and then Creative agencies are responsible to communicate that they understand the brief they are given. So there's a strong responsibility there too, that they don't walk away with a brief and say, yes, I get it. Thank you very much. And then as soon as they leave the building, ah, what the hell was that brief about? Another shit brief. What are we going to do? Ah, we'll figure it out. That, that, that is equally bad behavior that we hope that this research stops. And it's, it's, it's probably good to note, Paul, just to, to build on Peter Paul's comment, is that the brief isn't just a handover of a document and it's not just the document itself. It has to be an understanding that, that occurs and that process um, is something also that we touch on um, with, with the Better Briefs project. Because, yes, I've worked in some fantastic agencies where the culture of that agency is, you know, you're, you're empowered to push back. Um, you're encouraged to push back and, and the clients expect it from you as well. So, you know, and that's, that's an unfortunate situation. So what we want to try and do is encourage more of that. We want to try and encourage more conversation, more pushback, more, more um, mutual understanding through that entire process, not just the document. Well, but we're going to get to the findings, but it's a, quite a significant sample size here, right? 1,700 uh, people client side and and brand uh, and you used some quite interesting uh, research uh, technology uh, from London um, so maybe just a quick 
uh, lowdown on, and this is where Mark Ritson, I think, sort of got on the got on the on the caper at one stage as well, and he's a big backer of all this. So just run us really quickly through that seventeen hundred sample. It's a good one, uh, and, and what Mr. Ritson's the, the virtual professor's got to do with this research was executed by Flood and Partners. Um, their research techniques are way more intuitive and way more natural to tease out people's actual responses compared to traditional methods. They're a small boutique agency that is run by a bunch of people, including an old advertising strategist with over 40 years of experience in the business. So it's a lot of expertise coming together with really state-of-the-art techniques. And and they've just been awarded for, Matt's going to help me here. They've just won the Innovation Agency, Research Agency of the Year in the UK, so for 2021. They're hot property. And speaking of hot, it's almost, I think, you know, I don't want to, not that I'd know, I'm told that it's almost Tinder-esque. It's a swipe left, swipe right sort of uh, methodology. Is that right? You guys, you guys would know, I guess. Yeah, we, we had we had a fair few statements in in the survey, for example, and and people had to swipe right and swipe le- left as if they were dating. So we really were after people's gut feel when it comes down to to what we're trying to uncover. On the other side, there were a couple of time investment exercises. So if you felt really passionate about something, you put your finger on, 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 the, on the iPhone because half of the research nowadays is executed on iPhones anyway. And you need to invest up to 15 seconds or so to make sure you you express that you're passionate about something. And very quickly, um, uh, Mark Ritson's role, I mean, he's he's obviously been a great crusader for strategy for a long time and all the tactical stuff that, that, that the industry has kind of got distracted by. He's been raging against that. Um, what's his involvement here other than, or just he likes what you're doing? Uh, he's not... <laughs> He, he said he sent us an email and he said, hey, boys, I like what you're doing. It's an important topic. Can I have the results? And then we said, yes, but we need more respondents. So please, can you get some? And he did. Yes. <laughs> and that's, that's partly how we got to our sample size. Another reason why we got to our sample size is the passion for the topic. We have yeah. more marketeers in the survey than creative agencies. And what we see in the comments and the feedback is marketeers are equally passionate about this topic and that tells us that they internally there's also a bit of friction happening. Okay, so let's get to some of the uh, some of these findings because they are genuinely uh, fascinating and for me from the outside at least some some of, some of it's disturbing. But um, we're going to cut it up into sort of four or five things. So let's start with the first one, gents, which is your research is absolutely showing that marketers and agencies are on completely different planets, perhaps even in different sort of you know wormholes. Um, talk us through what the data is showing uh, on that front. I might kick off Peter Paul and I might start with the things that we agree on actually because I think that's it's almost just as powerful um, just to see where we, where we start to agree um, and then see where the diversions happens I think the first the first thing you'll see when you um, when you download the report is that we ask a statement that it is difficult to produce good work without a good a good brief um, and both marketers and uh, creative agencies agree with that statement overwhelmingly you know almost 90% in in, in most cases um, and that was a statement that was actually introduced uh, by the IPA study in 2003. And, and what we wanted to look at whether, was whether that had changed over time. So difficult to produce good creative work without a good marketing brief. And it has increased slightly. Um, so it's gone from about 80% to 90%. Um, the details are in that report if you, if you if you get there. But what we, uh, and I think you mentioned it at the top of the, the show, Paul, was that whilst we think it's valuable um, in in being able to produce good creative work, it's also paradoxically the most neglected tool that marketers have to produce good work. So when we asked that statement of both marketers and creative agencies, 
you know, overwhelmingly 90% again agree that it's the most neglected tool that they do have to create good work. So again, we see it as really valuable, important, but we're also neglecting it, which is, um, you know, that paradox that we sort of start to unpack uh, in that report as, as you go through it. Um, the other statement that we we um, agree on really strongly is that writing briefs is hard. Between marketers and creative agencies, 80%, uh, over 80% agree that writing a brief is not easy. It's not easy to do. And it actually doesn't get any easier the more experience that you have. Our, our study actually found that the more experience that you have, the harder that you indicate to writing a brief is. So once you've got 15 plus years experience, you go, actually, this, this is tough and it's tricky to get right because I, I need to to make sure that every piece, every word that's in there has to have a role and it has to give my creative agency both direction and inspiration. So they know the importance of it and hence why they're, they're saying it's harder to write than those people that are, that are a bit more junior. And then, yeah, I might hand over you to you, Peter Paul, who um, you can take us through some of those differences. So just to be clear, that was the solidarity part, right? That's where everyone's on the same page. Now we're going to get into some, some different views uh, on what happens next. Yeah, and I think... And- the difference in opinion is, is, is quite concerning. So um, we had a statement in the survey which read, I consider myself or my clients good at writing briefs. We're seeing that 80% of marketeers all over the world agree with that statement. That they write good briefs? With writing good briefs. And only 10% of creative agencies agree with that statement. So hmm. what is this telling us? It, it, it is concerning. Marketeers think they are good at writing briefs. And maybe they are. Maybe they are not. But most agencies are not getting from the briefs what they need. Most agencies are saying the briefs I'm getting or the marketeer that's writing the brief I'm receiving is not good. It doesn't work for me. And one of the comments I would make there is, why aren't they speaking up? When you get... We also had some historical data sitting in the research, so uh, some, some data from the US, and we're seeing that the gap is actually widening. So we're seeing that marketeers th- think they're getting better at writing briefs compared to six years ago, and we're seeing that agencies are judging client briefs worse than six years ago. Um, when we asked another question, and we zoomed in on the last three briefs that um, either were written by the marketeer or were received by the agency, we're seeing that three in four or 75% of agencies think that the briefs they are getting isn't good enough. And then in in that same same vein, one in three marketeers think that the briefs they write wasn't good enough. And that's, I think, the most concerning one. Marketing is saying the brief I'm writing here is not good enough. Now, again, both parties are at fault here from our humble perspective. Agencies are not giving feedback, hey, this brief isn't working for me, but also marketing is knowing that the briefs they are providing isn't good enough. Well, I was going to ask here, because this is an, you know, a really critical point, is how does this disparity, this, this massive disparity, how does it there? Is, is anybody talking to each other and probably more importantly listening? Because if you've got such extreme ends of the spectrum of marketers thinking they're Flash Gordon and doing a great job and agencies not, are they not talking to each other or are they not listening or what's going on? We've got we've got such a rich sample set. Um, we had the same question. We're like, is this is this is this um, you know uh, 
an indication of one particular type of you know size of or, or location or something that is skewing the data in this way but it's it's so consistent across both the size of marketing department size of agency um, geographic location um, that we just we, we were astounded to think that yes it is such such a systemic issue um, that just hasn't been um, quantified before um, so mm. I think it's verbalized and it might be being verbalized behind closed doors without this conversation happening but just to see the quantification of it we go okay well there's the only way from here is up surely Peter Paul you mentioned earlier that you know perhaps some um, agencies aren't stepping up and actually saying mr. client or mrs. client Ms. Client, this is this is not working for us. We need more, or we need something different. You don't feel like they're necessarily doing that enough. Uh, is that one of the sort of causal effects here? Well, when you look at the anecdotal data and feedback, yes, you get the impression that there is a master-slave relationship instead of a partnership. What it should be, um, and and ironically, <laughs> both marketers and creative agencies are in the business of communication, but clearly we're not very good at communicating about briefs. Extraordinary. What else, what else, what else is in that treasure trove of, um, of um, data that you've got there? Businesses invest in marketing to drive better business results. And as I said before, it, the brief, the marketing brief translates the business strategy and the marketing strategy into a document for the agency. Now we've got some data um, where we asked do you think your brief or the brief you get from your client contains clear strategic direction? And unfortunately, we're having 78% of marketers saying, yes, yes, my brief does contain lots of strategic direction, but 5% of the agencies agreeing with that statement. So again, marketers believe that their briefs contain clear strategies and strategic direction, but only 5% of the agencies are agreeing. So there's, there's, there's something lost there in the transfer of the document. So it's either the agency is not understanding or the strategic direction isn't good enough. And it's probably a mix of the two. But it's the only, the only reasons why we write briefs is to direct creative thinking and to inspire it. So if a marketing brief doesn't direct, everything else goes to shit. Probably the most ironic one is uh, a question we had around language. We asked, do the briefs uh, you write or you work on contain clear and concise language? And we've got more than eight in 10 marketers saying, yes, yes, they all contain very clear language, but only 7% of agencies agreeing with that. I like to say that there's, a, there's this weird language in marketing, which is called marketing ease. It's this language that we use ourselves that we just carry to get away with too much. So we need to strip all of that language out and make it really simple. Now, I think we were talking earlier about this, and, and it's not necessarily uh, the, the language gets taken over by a different breed uh, inside the organisation, right? So sometimes the, the, the brief uh, is not coming from the people that kind of should be uh, briefing. Yeah, so there's a, couple, there's a couple of different things happening. I think in some situations, the entire business might have a poor strategy, so the CMO or the marketer can't translate that into a marketing strategy. In other instances, there's this poor marketing strategic thinking and therefore, as a result of that, the, the brief becomes shit. We're, I think in the pre-check we were talking about a, a report from the UK, the uh, board brand rift. And I think it's an excellent paper that actually illustrates that around the world, we as an industry, we as a marketing industry, 
don't speak the language of business enough. And I think we as strategists, we welcome business language into our briefs because it's all, from a commercial perspective, we need to know what's going on. So let's not talk about brand halo effect. I want to hear about margin protection. Let's not talk about brand equity. I want to hear about reputation, investing in the reputation of a company and growing trust of our customers. I don't want to hear about brand preference or maybe it's part of the mix, but I'd rather talk about risk reduction in the long term. So I think there's something we can do collectively to speak the language of business more. And just, just to add, add to that, I think there's also a tendency, and, and I'll draw on my own experience here, of, um, of generic terminology being used. Um, you know, when we describe brands, that my brand is genuine, is authentic, is real, is um, a lot of kind of buzzwords of the moment and a trend of the moment. What is actually behind that? How, how do we interpret authentic? How do we interpret genuine? How, how are these generic words so, you know, allowing us to, to find something interesting um, when, when every brand is trying to you know, garner trust or, or whatever it is? So I think that there's, there's that business language that Peter Paul's saying, and then there's generic language that is being used that is, that is not differentiated amongst any brands. It's, it's diluting everything really, isn't it? One of the other uh, sort of findings in your study, which I thought was interesting, uh, was this ranking in order of importance of the most critical elements of a marketing brief. And it was sort of number one was objectives, two was insight, and three was target group definition, target groups. But on the objectives thing, that was really interesting. We were talking about this earlier. Essentially, some, some of the talk us through some of the briefs you've seen where the objectives are essentially a big fluffy cloud agencies are are screaming for objectives which was a really interesting find i guess it just proves that we've just been we've gotten distracted with with all of the tools and the toys we just want to know what needs to shift in people's brain about the product or the brand you're selling that's going to drive a certain behavior a certain act and that's going to drive a commercial goal now there is laws in place and that's why Marketing is not the same as brain surgery. Like if you raise your, it's, it has been proven time and time again. If you grow consideration for a brand with 1%, your sales will increase with half a percent to 1.5%. There's laws in place like that. And the best briefs I've gotten respect those laws and, and, and work with those laws and work with those attitudinal shifts that will deliver commercial results. The worst briefs um, anecdotally contain only attitudinal uh, objectives. Oh, grow my awareness by 10%. Okay, what's the bigger picture here? What are you trying to achieve? So just to, just to build on that, um, what we also found when you talk about um, objectives, insight and target group, um, Paul, I think you're doing objectives a disservice. Um, agencies and, and um, marketers both ranked objectives at least three or four times more important than any other element of a marketing brief. 61% for marketers ranked objectives first and 71% of agencies, which is which is just going to show how much agencies put weight in into objectives. I know personally that it's the first thing I look at in a brief. Um, I'm not sure why it's not at the top of a briefing template. Um, usually you get some other fluff and crap that sits there like background and blah, blah, blah. But if you can't connect objectives to the rest of the story, then you don't have a clear marketing brief. So the the, the the point is that that is what is being what is being wanted um, by both parties to, to drive that clarity and, and strategic direction. But it's not there. Not all the time, no. Mm. Um, so where, just in your own experience, what is a good 
you kind of touched on it, Peter Paul. But what is what is an, a, a really ideal objective uh, or set of objectives look like uh, that you know is often missing? Well, I like to talk about link linked objectives. So you actually link what you're trying to do from an attitudinal perspective to the behavior you're after, to the commercial objective you're after. If they're not linked, then they kind of don't make sense anyway. I, th- I think the I- IPA and, um, you, know, you know, often they're, they're called the, the balance between hard and soft objectives. So uh-huh. what, are, what are the hard objectives that the business is, is trying to um, go after, whether that be volume or value growth? Um, and then what are the attitudes and behaviors that, that as Peter Paul says, that, that you're trying to elicit in people to help drive that value or volume shift? Um, so if you can have a coherent set of objectives um, rather than just what we tend to see is a whole bunch of attitudinal statements um, that mm-hmm. don't have any correlation and don't link to each other. Um, rather than having a ladder of objectives. So once you get that ladder right, then it's much clearer to then see what is the path forward for creativity in helping solve that problem. So is it is it the fact that marketers don't know or can't articulate what their objectives are or are they too flat out? Are they too lazy? What? Why are we not seeing that? Because this is the core. This is where they, they you know, you, you almost want to benchmark your, your impact from a campaign based on what you've set up. And if these, set, if these setups are so fuzzy, what's going on in the mind of the market that they're not doing that? I think there are a number of variables. Um, and there was a great quote that we had in the report, which um, you'll see once you download it, is, is that there's a lot of um, internal pressure um, that happens on marketers. There, there's in, internal pressure from different departments, whether that's the R&D department, whether that's the, the sales department, whatever that is, there is internal pressure, um, which has a, a time constraint. Sometimes it's a monetary constraint. There are things that um, dictate um, for them um, how much time, how much effort they can put into briefs and how much they can control that internal environment to get the brief they want. They're not always producing the, the brief they want to the agency because there's a lot of stuff coming in that they can't necessarily control. So we we're very, I guess, um, surprised to see that come through the survey as well. Um, but it was also refreshing for us because we don't want to give marketers a hard time because they've got a hard job managing all that stuff as well. What we also found is that we've asked marketers, are the right people signing off on the brief? And 50% of marketers, marketers themselves, admit or think that not the right people are signing off on the brief. So that's that's the first clue why we're not maybe getting the right objectives. So, so listen, there's some, some fascinating data that sets up the you know the issue we have here. Um, I guess the, the you know you've also sort of come to some conclusions on the impact and the consequences of, of bad briefs, and it's quite significant. Um, tell us about the number. You've got a magic number there that's also a little concerning about what happens to marketing budgets as a result of bad briefing. Let's start with what happens when you put a poor marketing brief into into an agency. Um, it will lead to quite shallow strategic thinking. It will lead to shallow and poor creative ideas. Um, that will be presented back to uh, the marketeers that aren't too happy with that, which will lead to an additional round of concepting, additional round of approvals, where a lot of time and money is lost in all of these additional rounds. And ultimately, it will affect staff's well-being, both on marketeer side and on creative agency side. People will be less motivated to work on the project, to work on the brand. And most importantly, the work that goes into the market won't be as effective as it could be. So a lot of time, a lot of money lost, and a lot of well-being lost as well. So we tried, 
we tried for to to kind of get some kind of a grip on how much time and money is lost. So we asked people to make an estimate. We asked them to uh, 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 estimate how much of the marketing budget is wasted on poor briefs and misdirected work. And um, the result we got back was very consistent. People around the world think that it's about one third of every budget goes to waste on poor briefs and misdirected work. That's 33%. So a third. Uh, and this was a figure that was fairly uniform um, across both marketing departments and creative agencies. So we're finding marketing departments around 30%, they're estimating is being wasted. Creative agencies are estimating around 37%. So you think you'd sort of lean more towards the marketing uh, marketing side there. But when you look at it uh, globally as well, uh, I think the UK is around 30%, Australia is around 30%, and the US is around 34%. So the, the difference between that figure across the world and between marketers and creative agencies um, is, is narrow enough for us to say that, that with some confidence that that is, a, is an estimate worth taking note of. It's going to cause a big problem. And it's, it's that's what's worth having a conversation about. Well, you know, if you just extrapolate that out, a third, if you think about the global ad market being five, six hundred billion dollars, and you've got a third of that, there's a hundred to two hundred billion dollars, it's wayward. It's not optimal. That is material and significant and should be concerning. I'd love to know that what the GDP of, of what country that represents, Paul. That's that's for sure. I'll come back to you on that one. I'll take that I'll take that question on notice, Matt. But a third, it's 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 material, it's significant. Absolutely. And therefore it's important to start this discussion about what are you telling me? What is the house you're asking me to build? Let's compare it to the military or let's compare it to mountain climbing. If you're in the military, if the, if the army sends in a, a, a special forces into, into a mission, they need absolute information. They need to make black and white decision decisions, yes or no. The same when you climb up to the mount, mount, uh, top of Mount Everest. You need absolute decision-making. Are I going up or am I making down? And if we can take a bit of inspiration and make marketing briefs better that way, then everybody wins and a lot of billion do, uh, billion dollars or pounds are saved. Well, I was you, you sort of jumped the shark there because I was going to ask what's the way out? Uh, you might have just given us the way out there, Peter Paul, but um, you know the 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 solution. So you've set up what is a really big global challenge. Uh, you kind of touched on it there, but to Matt and you, what next, and what should the industry be working on? What should it be doing, and individuals too, I guess. Yeah, it's a good question, Paul. Um, the, the research highlighted a few ways forward, um, and and most of those are, are structural changes. Um, it's not to templates. It's not to um, what box you fill and, and where do you put it. It's actually how you engage, um, how both parties engage with each other. So one of the things that we've uh, Peter Paul mentioned was that half the time the right people aren't signing off the brief. It, it sounds like a simple fix. Get the right people signing off the brief. Um, there was also another stat that was around almost three quarters of marketers um, suggested that their um, briefings with agencies could benefit from more structure. Um, again, it seems like a really simple fix. Put a, put a good process and a good structure around the interactions that you have um, with your client. Uh, and with your agency. Um, we've also, uh, and you won't see this in, in the report, this is an exclusive for, for you, Paul, but there's um, there's some data coming through that um, suggests that within Australia, um, 50% of marketers haven't been trained in, in writing briefs and the briefing process. That's, mm. that's half of marketers that operate in this country. So again, invest in training 
um, invest in getting your staff. They'll be more motivated as a result. They won't feel like they're, they're handing something to their agency that isn't well-received and well-respected. Um, and they'll feel more, more part of the process rather than kind of using the creative process to clarify the strategy, which is part of the other problem that we're finding as well over 60% of the time that the, the creative process is used to clarify the strategy. Let's, let's stop, let's stop doing that. Um, let's get the strategy right. Right. So it's actually reverse engineering everything and that's in, 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 the, in the way it's working at the moment. Um, Peter Paul, I think you talked about a really good example. It's a, it's a great stat. You talked uh, there, Matt, about the Australian Australian marketers and their, their training in brief writing or being able to do a good brief. You have a Diageo example in London, I think, Peter Paul. Are you able to talk to that? Yeah, I, I used to work uh, at Saatchi's back in London and um, Diageo invited us over in, and we did a two-day training on their brief writing, on how they were going to brief us. And we did exercises together and we were completely trained in what we were going, how we were going to be briefed. And that made us understand at a much deeper level what they wanted from us. And at the same time, we were able to push back much more on their briefs in a really constructive way. Hey, you trained me on this, but you get giving me that, what do you mean? So the conversation was was much more productive after the actual brief, which is something we should also talk about. I guess if there's one thing we want to say to everyone today on the podcast is tomorrow, next week, call your client, call your agency and sit down with each other and have a chat about how well the process is working at the moment. How, how well are the client briefs, uh, the marketing briefs, and how well is the process actually happening? Are you taking the time? Does the agency feel that they can push back or not? That's, that, if, if we start that conversation to happen, then we're already happy, uh, very happy. Well, I imagine um, actually this document, this report is a good basis to have the conversation, you know, a line, you know, agency and client talking and going, is this me? Is this you? Do we agree with this? Um, is Peter, Paul and Matt made some fiction here and it's a great novel and nothing in it? Or shit, we're all they've nailed it. So the document could actually be you know used as a great facilitator for the conversation you're talking about, right? So on that basis, here's the big plug for you two: is where do you get the document? Where do you download it? How do how do people find this um, this report that they should be reading? By the way, betterbriefs.com. Betterbriefs.com. What was that, Peter Paul? I didn't quite hear you. <laughs> Matt, is that the site? Betterbriefs.com. Betterbriefs.com. That's the Better one. Betterbriefs, righto. Gents, great conversation. We'll we'll leave it there. I think there's a lot of to follow up here, and I you know, I hope the industry engages in some really good discussion and between between agency and client too. So great bit of work, great body of work. I'm sure uh, this will gather pace in, in coming weeks and months. Um, stay safe. I think we'll loop back around and, and hear an update really on what's happened, you know, in a couple of months. It'll be really interesting to see you know, some, some, some progress or what the response globally from the industry is being. Paul, thank you very much for having us. Just from our side, marketeers, be clear on your strategies, use simple language, don't send, don't send uh, briefs to your agencies that you're not happy with. And creative agencies, don't be silent. Flag what's missing, clarify what's unclear, and better briefs are your responsibility too. You heard the men. They know what they're talking about. Thanks, guys. This MI3 audio edition was presented by Paul McIntyre, that's more. Producer Nick Slater, music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to listener.com or download the Listener app and search MI3 audio edition to listen for free. Listener.